Hi folks, and welcome to the podcast. I do my best on each program to bring you the truth no matter how much it may hurt to hear. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would like to ask you to consider a few things. First, would you please like and share this podcast with others so they may benefit as well? Second, prayerfully consider making a donation. Your gifts will allow me to purchase equipment that will help produce shows more quickly and allow the truth must be told to be heard on more platforms and reach others with the good news. As a reminder, you can listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. You can even watch the video on Facebook and Instagram if you want to see what I look like. Well, thank you for your gifts and listening to The Truth Must Be Told. Is your faith shaken from recent events? Have you been praying but have not seen God moving in the way you want to? Why does it seem like our prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling? Well, we're going to talk about prayer today on The Truth Must Be Told. Oh, I had a new intro. Oh, there it is. There we go. Let me know what you think of the new intro. Let me get my ugly face off of here for a second. All right, now that's swing time. <laughs> uh, technology, you can't win with them, you can't lose with it. It just drives me crazy. Okay, anyway, well, it's good to see you all here. Um, welcome to the podcast. I trust you all are well and in good spirits. In light of recent events, I've been hearing a lot of talk, uh, discouragement mainly from Christians who are asking the question of why. Why has God not answered our prayers? I received a text from a family member this morning stating how being a Christian can be very challenging and confusing at times. Uh, he was pondering over the fact that millions of people were praying for Rush Limbaugh for healing and prayers, and those prayers went unanswered, and the disgust he felt about prosperity pastors and healing. And uh, we certainly did lose a great man, uh, but let me... Uh, you know, it got me to thinking about prayer, and what follows is an expanded version of my answer to him uh, through text. So, we certainly did lose a great man in Rush Limbaugh. I know it can get confusing as a Christian. I mean, why didn't God heal him? Why didn't he answer our prayers for healing? What good is praying? So many questions, right? Now, false, excuse me, false teachers um, that teach that the prosperity gospel also made the uh, also make the grave mistake of teaching that if we pray, God has to answer our prayers. It gives people false hope. It seems contradictory to the scriptures, doesn't it? Because the Bible does say whatever you ask for in prayer, you're going to receive. But yet, God didn't answer prayer. Then why wasn't Rush cured? Okay, well. First of all, when we go back and read passages of Scripture, we must look at the context. When, uh, what you have to look, context is what's being said before that passage of Scripture and what comes after it, and what does the original languages say. If we take something out of context, we totally misinterpret the meaning. Now, during my life as a Christian, and uh, my life as a, going to Bible college and sitting under some very, 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 very good passages, uh, and I recommend a lot of them. they just uh, great men of God. Several are retired now, and I don't know what they think. I haven't been able to 
touch base with them, and uh, I am on Facebook with one of them, and maybe he can contact me and let me know what he thinks of what's going on today. But we have to read the entire verse and analyze the context. So, for example, all right, I'm going to give you an example of this and what happens. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus became sin for us. Now, I've heard the prosperity teachers say that he did become sin. In fact, some of them say he went to hell and suffered. Wrong. Again, context, and what does the Bible say? <clears throat> well, it does not mean that Jesus actually became sin. Such a theory denies all of Scripture that clearly states, okay, he was holy and blameless without sin. So if one were to look at the full chapter 5 in the verses, uh, in, the verses uh, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, the ones before and after this, you will find that Paul is talking about reconciliation. The reconciliation that Christ made for us by dying on the cross. Now, the Hebrew word used here for the word sin can also be defined as the word sin offering. So if Christ is a sin offering for us, that would make a whole lot more sense because it corresponds to the teaching of Scripture. Let me briefly explain. When someone committed a sin in the Old Testament, they were to bring a sin offering, a lamb, usually, to the priest. <clears throat> the offering had to be spotless, without blemish. The sinner would hold the head of the lamb, confess his sin, and the priest would cut the lamb's throat. I know that's harsh, but, and, but God said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Now, at no time, at no time, did that lamb become an unholy thing? Before, during, and after that sacrifice, that lamb was holy before the Lord God. The lamb didn't become sin. The lamb, the lamb bore the sin in place of the sinner. Now, John the Baptist recognized this when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he was saying that this is the holy lamb that's going to be sacrificed for all of mankind, for all of the world, and he's going to take those sins away. He's going to bear them. So he didn't become sin or suffer the penalties of sin. He bore that sin on the cross so that we can have eternal life with him. Very, very simple. All right. Secondly, these prosperity teachers, the name it and claim it teachers, and we have a we years ago they would just say, yeah, you just you just name what you want, claim it in the name of Jesus, and you'll have it. Eh, no, okay, they forget very one important detail, that is that that is being God is sovereign, He is omniscient, and His will is perfect. This is truly where faith comes into play. The Apostle Paul speaks of this when. He tells us that he had a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him and torment him. He said that three times he asked the Lord to remove it, and God answered, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. The translation of that? No. God did not take away the thorn in Paul's flesh. Why? Paul was probably one of the most powerful teachers that ever was. He was allowed to suffer. Why? Because God allowed it. God can see the end from the beginning and knows what is best for us. Now, no suffering is pleasant. 
but our suffering brings about strength and toughens our character, which ultimately brings glory to God our Father. Paul says afterwards that if he is to boast, he will boast of his weakness because then God's power will be manifested. Now that that's that, that totally blows away anything. And even in um in uh earlier in 2 Corinthians, he talks about us having this treasure, um, the life of Christ, in these earthen vessels that are very weak. And he said, these vessels are um so weak that you know they they're they're very fragile. But yet we bear about our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Our sufferings bring us to a place of basically character building. We have faith. The faith leads uh, during the suffering. The faith grows, and it becomes stronger. And then you have the answer to, gee, what's somebody else? might be going through the same thing. And you bring glory to your Heavenly Father by enduring this. Yet these prosperity teachers, and I, yeah, I'm going to name names. Paul named names, okay? Prosperity teachers such as Oral Roberts, Kenneth Copeland, Jim and Tammy Baker, Benny Hinn, Robert Tilton, T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar, and so many more of these people are teaching us that are teaching that we must simply ask for something and it will be given to us. Now, if we do not receive a miracle, then the person person asking has a lack of faith or some sin in their life that is preventing God from answering. Now, I want to interject here. This is not in my notes, but I want to interject. I have seen God's miracle healing in many, 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 many places. I myself have been healed twice once of a stomach issue, once from arthritis in my hands. And I didn't ask for them at either time. God just healed me. I did not go to God and say, God, you need to heal the arthritis in my hand. I actually had somebody that came and ministered to us at a Teen Challenge. When I was a counselor at Teen Challenge, uh, this gentleman came and he was in a wheelchair. Imagine that. But he was praying for our healing. And as he came down the aisle, or rolled down the aisle in this case, he came to me, said he wanted to pray with me. He prayed with me, and miraculously, my hands were healed. I had severe arthritis. My fingers were uh, actually kind of bending out of place. It was nasty. Hold on, please. I'm so sorry. And I have, um, so I've experienced healing. I have prayed for people who have been healed. Does that make me a healer? No. I have been given been given words of wisdom. This is one of the gifts of the spirit. It's a word of knowledge. I was praying with uh, a young lady and all of a sudden I blurted out something and it was exactly what she needed to hear. She said, "How did you know?" I said, "Well, God told me." <laughs> and it was a word of knowledge for her and 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 actually became a healing thing for her spiritually. Now, am I saying that I'm greater than anybody else? No. All I'm saying is that if you're a willing vessel, God will use you. But that doesn't make me a healer. It doesn't make me a prophet. Okay? And if I were to try to capitalize on that, then God is not glorified. 
Now, how many of these people, these teachers, these erroneous teachers, have led others astray by this erroneous teaching? It's not the gospel. And Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians not to be impressed with their credentials. Don't be impressed by their credentials, not at all. Just because they have the, in fact, he calls them super apostles. If you read it in the NIV, it's really, really cool. He says he's not least inferior to these super apostles. I was reading an article on this subject from thegospelcoalition.org, and the article was written by Joe Carter. And in this article, he quotes a sermon by John Piper. Yeah, there's a lot of names flying around here. But John Piper outlines six keys to detecting the prosperity gospel. One, so you want to know whether your teacher, whether your preacher is preaching the prosperity gospel? Well, here you go. I'm going to give you several, um, there's six, six keys to detecting it. One, the absence of a serious doctrine of biblical necessity and the normalcy of suffering and the absence of the doctrine of suffering. In other words, these teachers will not teach you that you're supposed to suffer. They'll teach you you're supposed to be happy and peppy and bursting with love all the time. The absence, number two, the absence of a clear and prominent doctrine of self-denial is a tip-off that something is amiss. Okay? The Bible does say we need to deny ourselves. Okay? Take up our cross and follow Christ. So if we're if you're being taught that you shouldn't be self-denial, that you should pray for what you want. Okay, number three, the absence of serious exposition of Scripture. Now that means that the person is not teaching out of the Word of God. He or she is, uh, and there's she's out there too, that are will not exposit the Scripture. They won't go into it, just what I was talking about. They won't go in and say, here, this is A, B, C in what the Bible says. Instead, they will totally deny that, and they won't go into that serious Bible study, okay? Number four, the absence of dealing with the tensions in Scripture. The tensions being, I look at that in two ways. I'm looking at the the tensions of of there is good and there's bad, and uh, we have to struggle with that. But I'm also wondering if this if this leader means um, the tenses of as we talked about the the how the verses work as I just explained about Jesus being sin it was made sin for us it's not correct all right so number five church leaders who have exorbitant lifestyles have you ever seen Kenneth Copeland's uh, hangar was uh, all his planes and his cars. And these people that live in exorbitant, just, mm, and they want you to give money to them so that God can bless you. And they're very quick with coming up, too, with saying, don't criticize the man of God because you're bringing cursing on yourself. And yet that's not, again, they're taking it out of Scripture, out of context. Number six, a prominence of self and a marginalization of the greatness of God. Okay? And that last indicator, a prominence of self and marginalization of the greatness of God, really stands out for me. This is what I was saying. God is great. And yet they want to marginalize him 
they make themselves a prominence of self. I'm the best. I deserve this. And God, you have to give it to me. With And yet ignoring totally the greatness of God and his marginally. Do you realize the power that God has? <clears throat> In the beginning, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, it says. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The original Hebrew says, and God said, let light be. Light was. It indicates there was no delay of time. God spoke it. Let light be. And it was there. Amazing. And yet, they marginalize the greatness of the Almighty God. Now, Joe Carter, in this article, also quotes David W. Jones, who outlined five errors of the prosperity teaching. Okay? The pros- and, and the prosperity teaching teaches, one, the Abrahamic covenant is means to material entitlement. What is the Abrahamic covenant? God said, I'll make a covenant between you and me. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. And he basically told them that the Messiah was going to come through his line. But yet this is a means, according to these prosperity gospel teachings, means to material entitlement. Number two, Jesus' atonement extends to the sin of material property. Poverty, excuse me. Jesus' atonement extends to the sin of material poverty. So with Jesus dying on the cross, if you don't have things, then you have the sin of material poverty. There must be sin in your life, and that's why you do not have A, B, C, and D. You don't have a car because you have sin in your life. You don't have... You don't have... Uh, money in the bank because of the sin in your life. Okay. Enough said about that. Number three, Christians give in order to gain material compensation for God. Yeah. They overquote scriptures. Give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give unto your bosom. They re- they, they take that totally out of context. They do it in... It, Christians give to these ministries in order to gain material compensation from God, and that's not what God wants. He wants you to be a cheerful giver. He wants you to give all. You know what? It all belongs to him. Not just one-tenth. No, it all belongs to God. Can you imagine? I heard one person put it this way. Um, Can you imagine saying, the song. Let's all sing the song together now. I surrender one-tenth. I surrender one-tenth. One-tenth to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender one-tenth. No. I surrender all. God owns it all. He's just letting you use it. But if you give in order to get back material gain, that's a, that is definitely uh, 
an error in this teaching. Um, faith is generated. Number four, faith is generated. Spirit, faith is a self-generated spiritual force that leads to prosperity. Oh, yes, you have to have the faith. Faith, 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 faith. And yet that, <laughs> it's, it's, may the faith be with you. You know, let's, I have the faith to believe that this is going to happen. And it's totally different of the, what the scriptures talk about faith. <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, we're going to be having an interview. My next show is going to be with, uh, is going to be on addiction. I'll talk about that more later. But the gentleman in the interview spoke of, Having the faith that moves mountains can be just the size of a mustard seed. And Jesus said that. Okay? But it's not some spiritual force that leads to your prosperity. It's for your spiritual welfare, not your goods and your figure, your, 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 your goods, your things around you. It's not that. All right. And the next error is, the last one is, prayer is a tool to force God to grant prosperity. Oh, yes. You go to God and you tell him, you promised me this in the scripture, and I want it, and I got to get it, because you said it, and wow. Since when do you talk to God? I'm saying all of this to emphasize that it's not our will, but God's will. Okay? You cannot... You cannot overlook the Creator's power that is supreme and have we have no right to come to Him and demand an answer. Pray, yes. Believe, yes. God will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But remember, no is an answer as well. Now, God knows the end from the beginning and why certain things should happen the way they do. I don't know. Why would we pray for Rush Limbaugh and he passed? I don't know. Why did we pray for Donald Trump to win the presidency and he lost? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I have the faith to believe, as David said, your thoughts are too high for me to, to, to obtain. I can't think of it. Your, 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 your thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. And my way, your way is higher than my ways. And we have to dare to believe that God has the ability to see the end from the beginning and knows why these things are taking place. <clears throat> like I said on one, one broadcast, do you think God is surprised at something that happens on earth? You think he's standing there next to Gabriel going, hey, Gabe, look, nudging him with his elbow. Look at that. Did, did you know that was going to happen? Look, people. God is not surprised by anything that happens in this world, okay? Just know that this God who knows the end from the beginning, and he knows why certain things should happen the way they do, and the fiery trial that you're going through, whatever that may be, because you may not be so upset that Donald Trump didn't win or Rush Limbaugh didn't get healed, all right? But maybe you're going through a fiery trial and a difficulty that is hard for you to understand, this is where you need to un, you need to know without equivocally without a shadow of a doubt that God does these things so that you, he may bring glory to himself through you you weakened broken vessel 
as Paul describes us in 2 Corinthians, this weak, broken, the best way I've heard it said is is one, one uh, oh, I can't remember her name, but she had a book out saying God uses cracked pots. We are imperfect vessels, and yet God uses us for his glory. That's something to be excited about. Ezekiel 36.22 says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's why Paul said, I'm going to boast about that. You know, look, it was Russia's time to go home. He ran the race well, and now it's over. Now there's laid up for him a righteous crown for finishing. Trust me, people, God has not forsaken us. He is saying, my children, I know you are praying. You must trust that I know your desires, but you must endure. I pray this has helped you and caused you to think about a few things. Now, if you have any questions on how to become a Christian or anything on the subject matter that we discussed today, you can reach out to me on Facebook through Private Messenger, or you can email me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit my website, thetruthmustbetold.org. And if you can, help us out financially as well. We'll see you next time on The Truth Must Be Told when we will be having our third installment on the subject of addiction. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.